Welcome to the perfect place for imperfect people. This is the Local Church Podcast, and we hope this message both challenges and encourages you. Here's today's message. I am, uh, I'm excited to be here today. You're doing a great series. There is so much more for all of us to learn about prayer. It's one of those subjects where you never graduate. You never get it all figured out. It's kind of like marriage. I've been married 46 years now, and about the time I think I understand my wife, she surprises me again. And that's been much the same in my pursuit of God. I learn about Him. I learn who He is. I get to know Him. And then there's more always, always to know and to learn. So we're going to talk today about that. Thanks again for the opportunity to be here. Have you noticed that everyone prays in a crisis? Everyone. The reality is if the house is on fire, you're crying out, dear God, as you run into the yard. If the kids are driving you nuts, you are praying. If the job is in jeopardy, we pray. If the finances are failing, we pray. If your health falls apart, we pray. It's amazing to me. I have some friends who claim to be atheists and don't believe in God at all. Do you know what they do when they're in a crisis? They call me and ask me to pray. It's kind of like, Dan, I don't really believe it's God stuff, but in case I'm wrong, Could you put in a good word for me? Yeah, yeah. The old saying is there are no atheists in foxholes. I think when our lives are threatened, we pray. It's built into our very being. When we are in crisis, we tend to cry out, oh God. It's what we do. But is that all prayer is? Is it just a desperate plea from desperate people in desperate times? Or is there more? Some of us pray regularly. We have regular routines that we follow in our prayer. We say a blessing before the meal. We say the rosary for confession. We say the Lord's Prayer at church. Some of us pray with the kids at bedtime. And then after you do that, you pray they'll go to sleep so you can have some peace and quiet. Some of us pray at regular times. We ask ask God to bless our favorite sports team. How many have done that? Yeah, well, you need to do that. You're Miami Dolphin fans. Come on. I mean, something's got to work down here. By the way, y'all stealing Tyree Kill? I'm not going there. I'm just not going there. That's why I'm stealing Steve. It'll be an even swap. We pray for God to change our husband or our wife. And you know what he usually does? He changes us. We pray regularly. Some of us go even further. We pray daily. It is a regular part of our everyday lives. We have a prayer list. We have a prayer time. Some of us keep a prayer journal. We take prayer seriously. We join prayer groups or prayer meetings. But have you noticed that in all of these prayers, we do most of the talking? Is that what prayer is? Or is there more? A few of us have discovered another kind of prayer altogether. A prayer where we say very little and God speaks volumes. A prayer where we do the listening so that God can do the talking. It's a prayer time that builds a deep relationship with God. It's a prayer time that builds character and obedience into our lives. How deep of a relationship can you have with anybody 
if you do all the talking? The answer is not very deep. My dad taught me many things growing up. Here's one of his favorite sayings that I heard a thousand times. Danny, he'd call me. The person who knows the most ought to do most of the talking. Apply that to our prayer lives. And we need to talk a lot less and listen a lot more. I want you to participate today. You're going to need somebody to talk to. So whether they're in the row in front of you, behind you, whatever, turn to somebody and say, you need to listen more. Go ahead. You and me. All right, kid. You and me. Need to listen more. The one who knows the most should do most of the talking. When it comes to prayer, we have to learn to listen. Our title today is Practicing the Presence of God. Uh, it's something that I call chair time. That phrase will make sense when we finish. Now look this way. I'm about to share with you the most life-changing principle that I've ever experienced. Nothing has changed my walk with God and my everyday life like what I'm going to talk about today. Nothing. So I want you to do whatever you need to do to focus. If you need to take notes to focus, take notes. If you need to turn your phone off to focus, turn it off. If you need to turn it on to take notes on your phone, turn it on. Do whatever you need to do because I've been praying about this for weeks. I knew about this subject weeks ago. I knew Eric had asked me to come. And wow, if there's a life story truth for Dan Sutherland, it's the one that I'm going to share today. How do I practice the presence of God? How do I learn this discipline called chair time? Now, I need to tell you my story for it to make sense. For 38 years, I'd been following Christ. For 37 years, I had been a pastor. Until 10 years ago, when I'm having a counseling session with my life coach and counselor, Mike. Mike is a, a pastor. He's a church planter. It means he starts churches like Eric does and like I do. Uh, but he's a counselor. And he's one of the wisest people I know. He kind of reminds me of an Old Testament prophet. He's not very gentle, but he will nail you to the wall. So I knew that he had something in mind when he said to me, hey, Dan, why don't you tell me about your prayer life? Because I just said to him, things are kind of flat. You know, I don't really know where I'm growing spiritually. I'm kind of bored at the church. If the church is on fire, I'm happy because there's something to put out. But if things are going well, I get a little bored. That's called spiritually ADHD. That works in spiritual territory too. I am. He said, tell me about your prayer life. So I told him about all the people I prayed for and all the things I prayed for. And my prayer list and my prayer journal and all the stuff that I talked to God about it. He said, thank you, Dan. That was awesome. Now tell me how you listen to God. And I said, I don't know. I really don't listen. I just talk. Prayer's talking, right? Prayer's telling God everything you need and want and desire him to do. Prayer's sharing everything with God, Right? And he took me to a Bible verse that began a 10-year journey that I'm still on and still learning. 
Here's the verse. Are you ready? We're going to do what we do here at the local church. We're going to look at the scripture, tear it apart, try to understand it better, put it back together, okay? Here's the verse, Ephesians 2, 6. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms with Christ Jesus. When I read a verse of scripture, I go immediately into question mode. Because God welcomes questions. He's not afraid of anything we ask. So, I'm going to play question mode with you. That verse is still up there. Who's the us in that verse? Take a guess. What do you think? Who's the us? Somebody tell me. It's us. Yeah, it's the Greek word for us. It means us. It means literally the Christ followers, the people who've surrendered to Jesus, the people that have said yes to Jesus, the people that have, that have put their life in the hands of Christ. Believers, Christ followers, that's the us. What does the verse say that we, all the believers, are doing? Look at what it says. What are we doing? We're seated. That's kind of cool. We're all seated here right now, you know. This is working so far. What do you have to possess to be seated? A chair. A chair. That's what it takes to sit. So don't miss what is going on here. Here's the premise. God has seated you in your chair in the front row at the throne of God. They're seeing me going, no, I'm not. I'm in the seventh row at the local church. I know where I am. Well, this is where your body is. God says your soul, your spirit, your mind can be seated at the front row of the throne of God. Mike had my attention, my counselor. And he began to go on and explain more and more. So let me see if I can explain one premise, one practice, and then three principles. And let me warn you, at the end of the teaching today, we're not done. We're going to do a lab here together. That means we're going to practice what we've been talking about today. Okay? Going to be fun. Worked last service. I believe God will show up again. He always does. So let's look at the premise. The premise is that God has seated you in your chair in the front row at the throne of God. Now here's the problem. Prayer time does not begin with me making a list of all the things I want God to do. He is not my errand boy. I mean, I listen to some of our prayers and I think we're ordering food in a restaurant. I'd like this and a side of that. And oh, could you make sure you add a little of this there? And yeah, would you bring that first? And that's the way we pray. Now, there's nothing wrong with telling God what's on your mind, what you're praying for. But we're talking about the part of prayer today that is the listening part. So our thinking tends to be what I call bottom-up thinking. Here's how we pray. Lord, here's all my problems and all my troubles, and all the things I need you to fix, and I'm taking them from here on earth to you. Bottom-up thinking. What this verse teaches is top-down thinking. You're not seated in the midst of your problems. You're seated 
at the right hand of the throne of God. You have a chair. What if we ask God to give us his point of view and speak to us about the problems that we have? No, we don't do that. What we do instead is we use this approach that, that, that you know, really is self-centered. I remember learning about this when I read Henry Blackaby's study, Experiencing God, mid-90s. I'm dating myself. If you haven't read Experiencing God, it's worth reading. Phenomenal book. Here's what most of us do. God, here's my mess. Will you fix my mess? I'd like this. I want that. I desire this. Would you come down here and fix my mess? And God stands over here and says, but Dan, I'm already blessing this stuff. Why don't you come join me in what I'm blessing? Oh, God, you don't understand. My plan's really good. I've got this figured out, God. I just need you to show up and bless my plan. Listen closely. God does not join us. He does not join us. He invites us to join him. I could take my problems to God all day long. But until I am realizing he wants to talk to me, he wants to communicate with me, he wants me to listen, he already knows about my troubles, it means you don't tell him. No, you tell him. But the person who knows the most does most of the talking. And we don't ask God to join us, we join him. We have a front row seat. Now, this is where it gets fun. I need you to use your imagination, okay? I want you to picture the throne of God bigger than you have ever pictured it. I want you to picture it as 100 miles wide and 100 miles long and 100 miles deep. 100 by 100 by a hundred. Why? Because that's how big of a throne it would take for every Christ follower who has ever lived to have a front row seat at the throne of God. There are no second rows. There's not an eighth row. Some of you are going, yeah, there are. I'm sitting in it at local church. Nope, nope, not what I'm talking about. Your seat at the throne of God is in the front row. Have you ever been to a concert where you had front row tickets? How many have done that? I had a front row ticket four years ago, buddies and I, that went to see Kansas and Boston in concert in Kansas City. Now, for those of you who don't know that 70s rock and roll is the only music there is... <laughs> Go listen to some Kansas and some Boston this afternoon. And you, I mean, it, it was unreal. I could literally reach out when, the, when, when they're standing on the front edge of the stage. I could touch them. It was just a different experience. We have a seat in the front row of heaven. Now, I want you to focus in your mind on one chair. Your chair. Let me tell you about your chair. It's in the front row. It's your chair. It has your name on it. It fits your backside. 
You sit there long enough, it really fits your backside. Nobody else can sit in your chair. One more question. When you go and you sit in that chair, why are you there? It's not to talk. It's not, oh yeah, God, now that I'm this close, can I catch you up on a few things? No. No. When you're sitting in the front row at the throne of God, God the Father's on the throne, God the Son standing next to it, praying out loud for you, you're not going to talk. You may cry. You may pass out. You may worship. You're not going to talk. You're not going to talk. Paul shows us this picture that we are seated at the throne of God to emphasize to us it's time to listen. It is time to understand that God has given us a front row seat. The God of this universe wants to talk with you and with me so much that he's reserved a front row seat. How cool is that? There are a lot of people in my life that don't want to talk to me that much. God does. God does. So the premise is God's given you a front row seat. Here's the practice. Mike gave me this practice. I was blown away already because he painted me a picture of heaven I'd never thought about before. The bigness of it, having a front row seat. You know, there's a chair in heaven for me. Wow. I've been 38 years a pastor. I'd never thought of that verse. I've read that verse dozens of times. I'd never seen it in that light. Then he just goes ahead and challenges me. And he says, Dan, here's the practice. I want you to spend 15 minutes a day for the next month sitting in your chair waiting for God to speak. Now, what he actually told me was, I tell normal people 15 minutes, you're going to need 30 because you're extra stubborn. I said, what does that mean? He said, you have planned out what you want God to do for so long, it's going to take you longer to hear from God. But I would advise you to do this for 15 minutes. So I said, you're asking me to sit still. He said, yep, don't bring your Bible. Don't bring your prayer list. Don't bring anything. Sit and for about 60 seconds, thank God. Tell God what you're thankful for. And then shut up and ask God to speak to you. Now, asking an extrovert to be silent is kind of like putting them in jail. How many of you are extroverts? Yeah, you were born talking, you've never stopped. I talk in my sleep. I am a 10 out of 10 on the extrovert scale. How many of you are introverts? You're going, this sounds pretty good to me. This being quiet thing. Yeah, if I could get the rest of my family to be quiet, this would be great. So I said, okay, Mike, I'm in. I trust you. You're my coach. You're my pastor. You're my counselor. You say I need to do this. I'm in. I'd like to learn to listen to God. So I had a chair out on my deck. It was in the springtime in Kansas City. I'd go out every night about sunset. Beautiful time to be out. Great sunsets in Kansas City. Nothing in the way for 600 miles all the way to Denver. Beautiful sunsets. And I sat there. First week, I heard the birds chirp. 
and the cars go by. I did not hear from God. So I called back up and said, Mike, this is not working. I'm not hearing anything. He, I, he said, I, I told you it's going to take a month. I said, I don't want to do this a month. He said, you told me you would. I said, all right, we'll try it. So week two, I got still enough that I learned to hear my own heartbeat. I actually can still do that. If I get still and quiet, I can hear my heartbeat. Still didn't hear God. Call Mike up. Mike, hear my heartbeat, buddy. Don't hear from God. This doesn't work. He said, stay with it. Week three, I begin hearing coyotes <laughs> and owls. They'd been there the whole time, but I had not been still enough and quiet enough to hear them. So I call Mike up, and I'm mad. Mike, this sucks. I mean, seriously. You're telling me God wants to talk to me. I'm not hearing anything. I think I just need to go back to praying. He said, nope. You promised me a month, stay with it. And on the 22nd day, on a Monday night, first day of the fourth week, I heard God speak. Now let me be clear. I've never heard God's audible voice. I have some friends who have. But he spoke to me by putting a message across the screen of my mind as clear as day. And this is what he said. Welcome home, son. I have missed you. I wept. I worshiped. I sat there another hour and didn't say a word. I mean, think about it. I've been a pastor for 37 years. I've been praying hard for 38 years as a Christ follower. I've been praying every day. I've been giving him my list. But what he said to me was, welcome home. I've missed you. Translation, if you'll just shut up, I'll speak. If you'll just be still. You and I can do life together. I miss you. It changed my life. For the last 10 years, I do chair time, generally every night at 9 p.m. At 9 p.m., the conversations with my wife end. She's an introvert, so she's ready to, for me to go somewhere else. I go to the garage because it's the only quiet place in my house. I have one chair that I sit in. And I spend 60 seconds saying, God, wow, I'm grateful. Here's what I'm grateful for today. And then I hush. And I ask God to speak. The practice is go to the chair to listen to what God wants to say to you. So the premise is the God of this universe has given you a chair in the front row of heaven. The practice is you got to go there, be quiet, and be still so he can speak. Here's three principles, and then we're going to do this as a group this morning. Principle number one, God wants to speak to us. He wants to speak to you. 
I love James 1.5. I love the whole book of James. It's like one of my favorite parts of the scripture. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God. He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Wisdom is knowing what to do about what you know. That's wisdom. Lord, here's the deal. I'm trying to look at it from top down. I'm sitting in the chair. I'm at your throne. I'm ready to hear your voice. What do I do? Scripture says if you ask God what to do and then shut up, he will tell you. My problem is I ask him what to do and then I tell him what I think I ought to do. Or better still, I tell him what I think he ought to do. I give him my plan instead of listening for his. No, the idea is that I believe God wants to speak to me. Now, if you don't know that you need wisdom, you do. All of us need wisdom. Nobody in this room has life figured out. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need a lot more wisdom than you think. Go ahead. You and I. Yeah, thank you. We all need it. The good news is God wants to talk with you more than you want to hear from him. That's good news. He really does have stuff to say. If you want to read a great story later, read 1 Samuel chapter 2. It's the story of, of a young man who is learning to be a pastor and is learning to be a man of God. And he's, he's got a mentor, a coach that's working with him. And he gets up in the middle of the night because he thinks he's here. His, he hears his coach, his mentor, call his name. So he goes to the coach's room, the mentor's room, the pastor's room. Did you call me? Nope. Did you call me? Nope. Three times. Finally, the pastor says, you know what? I think God's talking to you. Next time you hear him, say, speak, Lord, your servant listens. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. That is the reality of it. God wants to speak to us. Second principle, this is huge. The Spirit is here to speak to us. People are a little bit confused, confused about the Spirit of God. In fact, we either ignore him or we get wacko on him. There's no real balance, it seems like, about the Spirit. You know, we either make it all about the Spirit or we ignore him altogether. There is a balance. It's in the middle, and it's an important balance. Look at what Jesus said. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. But will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. God the Father is so serious about having a relationship with us that he sent Jesus to show us his love and give us salvation. We sang about that today, for God so loved the world. But he also sent his spirit to show us the truth and to speak to us. How much does God want to talk to me? One third of God, one third of the Trinity has one job, talking to me. My job is to listen. He wants to talk. He wants to give wisdom. He wants to speak. So first principle, God wants to speak to us. Second, spirit is here to speak to us. Third, this is, this is the practical part. This is what we're going to practice today. You have to be still to hear from God. This is so hard in this moment in this country. We don't know how to be still. I had somebody come up to me after the first service and say, we're talking about meditation. I said, no, we're talking about Jesus-itation. 
This is not about clearing your mind and just thinking about nothing. This is about stilling your heart and your soul and your mind and asking Jesus to speak. It's not an opening to the universe. It's a focus on the maker of the universe. Yeah, there's a difference. So what we've got to grab is what it means to be still. Now notice what Psalm says about this. This guy wrote this verse for me. Be still and know that I am God. It doesn't say be busy and know that I'm God. I can do that. I can do that. I don't know how to sit still. I'm an extrovert. An extrovert is a person looking for a party. If they can't find one, they gather people up and throw one. I got home from Garland's house last night to the hotel at 1130. I walked in the lobby and went, where's some people? Come on, need some people. It's hard for me to be still. Doesn't say be talkative and know that I'm God. Stop what it says. I have to be still and I have to be quiet. Now listen, this is an important part of the teaching. God will use a two by four to get your attention. It is not his preferred plan. His preferred plan is that you and I get still every day so we can listen to God. But if you're never still, he'll pick up a two by four and say, all right, I'll give you a little health crisis. Bam. Because what do you do when you got a health crisis? You pray. I'll give you a rebellious child. You don't want to pay attention to me? Watch this. Bam. Been there, done that, got the scars. I'll give you a job crisis. You're thinking God doesn't give us those kind of things. Sure he does. He's more committed to my character than he is to my comfort. And if it takes crisis to get my attention, he knows how to use crisis. Am I saying every crisis is from God? No. Have I had plenty that are? Yes. Yes. Because I didn't know how to be still. No one had ever taught me this concept of just sitting and listening to God. So the premise, let's review, is you have a front row seat at the throne of God with your name on it. The practice is I'm asking all of you for the next month, try 15 minutes a day of being still and asking God to speak to you. And the principles are God wants to speak, the Spirit is here to speak, but we have to be still to hear from God. Now, it's practice time. Here's what I'd like to ask you to do. Please play along. I think it will work. I think God will, will bless this. Put whatever you've got in your hands away. Put it under your seat. Put the seat next to you. I'd say hand it to your neighbor, but that doesn't work. Just, just put it away. And what I'd like to ask you to do is think of the seat that you're sitting in right now as your seat in the front row at the throne of God. Scripture says you're already sitting there. 
And if you would, lay your hands on your knees and turn your palms up like in a position to receive something. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes, not because we have to do that to pray, but in a large group sometimes it's less distracting and easier to focus. And we're going to do two things. First thing I'm going to do is pray for God to remind us of what we're grateful for, and then we'll spend about 60 seconds. You just make a list. Tell God what you're grateful for. And then second, I'm going to ask him to speak to us. And just be still and let him speak. Father, we are grateful for so much. You have done so much for us. We list for you now the blessings you've given us, the things we are grateful for. Father, as we continue to be grateful, we ask you to speak to us. I ask you to speak to me. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Father, I thank you. Some of us heard you speak. We're grateful. Others of us did not hear, Lord, but we sensed your presence. We're grateful. Some of us, Lord, didn't hear you or sense your presence, but we did this in obedience and we're grateful for that. 
teach us to be still and listen to your voice. Is our prayer in Christ. Amen. Thank you for doing that. Here's what I'd like to ask you to do. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll give God a hand in a minute. That'll be fun. Good idea. Turn to your neighbor and be honest with them and tell them what that was like for you. Now, if it was weird, tell them it was weird. If it was awkward, tell them it was awkward. If you heard from God, tell them that. If you sensed his presence, just, just take 30 seconds. Tell somebody. You know, I had all three responses after the first service. I had a lady come up in tears and say, I so needed to hear from God and I just needed to be still and I heard from him and that was cool. I had somebody come else come up, one of the security guys and said, you know, I couldn't really get into it because I have to watch the crowd and take care of people, but, but wow, I sensed his presence. I'm going to try that. And I had somebody else come up and say, didn't see a thing, didn't hear anything. Yeah, but I'm going to do it. The God of this universe wants to talk to you. Four last things I'm going to say to you. I may have to read them off the screen because Steve took my notes. I think I remember them. Number one, you can do this. You can. This is normal people doing normal listening to God it's all it is you could do it number two this is important it takes practice nothing comes natural the first time there are moments where I hear from God there are weeks where I don't but I still sense his presence and it's still good to sit and worship him and be still thirdly it will take discipline oh yeah Lastly, it'll change your life. This has changed my walk with God and my life like nothing else ever has. I've been doing this for about three months. I did not tell my wife what I was doing. Too many times, husbands, I've announced that I'm going to change something and then it doesn't change. Boy, that's a good setup. So I didn't do that this time. I just thought, you know, I'm just going to do this. Three weeks in, fourth week, I heard from God, and I've been doing it for about three months. And one night, she comes out on the porch where I was having my time then. It's now in the garage. And she said to me, I don't know what you're doing out here, but I'm getting a different husband out of it. Keep it up. Now she sends me to the garage. She'll look at me and say, you need to go talk with God. I do. In the first service and again in this one, God did speak to me and here's what he said. Usually when he speaks to me, it's for me. It's very rare for him to speak to me about somebody else. But what he said was, these people are learning to love me. These people are learning to love me. It's a compliment. Thank you for listening to the Local Church Podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and review and share what you learned today. 
You can connect with us at thelocalchurch.com or by searching The Local Church on your favorite social media platforms. We hope you join us next week for a brand new episode. And remember, you matter to God and you matter to us.